When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this Friday afternoon I am joined by Jim Watt and Lloyd Patrick Jepson to talk about all things Celtic. And Lloyd, 24 hours is a long time in the world of Celtic, isn't it? It seems to be every day there's another injury concern. Um, what do you make of the crisis at the moment at the back? I mean, it's, it's not something you can really legislate for, is it? I, I think we've got about seven centre-halves and uh, two of them are fit. Yeah, yeah. I kind of regret putting in a group chat on Sunday before the game. Hopefully don't come out the Kamarnock game with any more injuries and look what's happened now. So these things can come back to back, bite you in the backside. So yeah, it's not a great position with one fully fit centre-half after signing Navrotsky and Lagard Belkin. It seems like Carter Vickers has been slightly rushed back as well. And obviously we sold Starfelt. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, a few weeks ago, Jim, all the chat, and, and to be honest, you were you were actually uh, airing your concerns because all the chat was around Celtic are weaker. Um, there was loads of arguments uh, to suggest that, oh, you know, the squad probably isn't weaker, although the starting 11 might be. But definitely are now, though, aren't we? I just think there's loads of things out with the control. So it's, 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 it's hard to be mad at what's happening, I think. I mean, you look at individual games and talk about them and talk about issues that are there, but to have that many injuries... This early in the season, it's just really, really unlucky. And the game now we have to get through as many games as possible until the guys are back, uh, which I think we can do. Uh, I'm not as uh, negative as you might think I'm today, given what's been happening, because I think there's the fixtures. The way the fixtures came out, I mean, my big concern going into the season was if we came away from Ibrox at least level in points, that would give us a foundation for the season, and obviously. Mm-hmm. The major positive is the fact that they drop points in game one. So no matter what, as long as we take care of business tomorrow, as long as we, if we take care of business tomorrow, then we leave Ibrox at the very worst level in points. And I'd have taken that before the season started. And I think that you would like to think we've got a strong enough squad. They should have a strong enough squad to take care mm-hmm. of the other teams in the league. And looking at the fixture list this morning, the big tough games are Hibs and Hearts. Away, but they're both at the end of October, so they're, they're two months away. You know, so we've got two months to get most of the guys back. And if you can't take care of the St. Johnsons and the Livingstons of this world, they don't deserve to win the league at the end of the day. So I think the players we've got just now should be good enough. We may have to shuffle the pack a wee bit. And the window's not closed yet. So uh, we've got loads of money in the bank. We've got loads of options before the end of next week. Uh, I'm a bit apprehensive about Ibrox, and I'm sure that most Celtic fans are as well. But I said we're going to come out of Ibrox 
if we take care of business tomorrow, levelling points at worst. So it's no great disaster. Europe's a different thing, and we can talk about that another time because that's hiding behind the couch stuff. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, most of that stuff is out with our control, and there's nothing we can do. But the manager leaving out with our control, in my opinion, the best manager we've had since since Jokestein. And uh, he had the club pulling on the one. Had everyone behind him was like, it was like a Celtic Pied Piper. We were all behind him, supporters, uh, the players, the board, everyone in the right direction. He goes, that just destabilises everyone. We lose Jota, in my opinion, the best player last year. The guy who makes things happen, a big game player, scores in the big games. And we lose the much maligned Carl Starfield, who I think is a you know, really solid defender. We get injuries to key players, Carter Vickers and, and Johnson have been the main ones, and tons of other players. We've got new guys coming in who you thought they could be first-team players. Narofsky, Tilio, is that how you say his name? Injured, injured. Mm-hmm. You've, got guys, the thing is, you've got these guys coming to the club who are saying, it's great to join a club where you can't lose. You must win every game. And then last week you lose your first game with the two young guys at centre-back. So out with their control, totally out with their control. But what's within their control is we've got a new manager in who... I suppose divides the support. I thought it was a bit of a kind of uh, not a very original appointment. I thought we could maybe, maybe, anyway, notwithstanding that, we've got the opportunity, we've got the money and the opportunity to get some players in to help out. But I think if we go over this next couple of months, I think we'll be all right this season. But it's a kind of 50 50 call because we are not just weaker than last season, we're significantly weaker than last season. And our main rivals are a lot stronger. So I think it's a bit of a toy course at the moment. Well, it's interesting that you talk about the appointment of Brennan Rogers and how divisive it was because we saw that reaction as it happened. Lloyd, is it still there? Are Celtic fans right behind Rogers? I feel that certainly I am, and I get a sense that most don't act so mad. But I, I did read some messages during the week where people were already lamenting the fact that, that he was back, and I'm not at that stage yet, Lloyd. You know, I, d- I don't think a lot of folk are at that stage. I think obviously. Any poor result he's going to have will get highlighted more than what it did first time round when he was here due to the fact the way he left and things like that. So these things you just take in hindsight. Okay, we get beat last weekend, but we can bounce back again tomorrow, get the team performing well, and then obviously head to Ibrox a week on Sunday. Hopefully in a positive you know, mood. I think, I, think everyone's, I think everyone's right behind the manager. No one's not behind the manager. I think you can have mm-hmm. an opinion as to whether... He was the choice you'd have went for, and I think it, it does lack a bit of imagination. Let's bring Rogers back. Let's bring Lenny back. I mean, there's there's hundreds of managers out there, you know, who, who we could maybe go at. So that's my only concern about bringing people back. And I wonder about his motivation as well, you know. And you can actually see that about some of the players. I mean, which I mean, and for for us fans, you're thinking, well, why would you need motivation to come to Celtic? That's where you should be. But if you're a manager who's who's just lost his job uh, and is doing nothing for a few months, is this another stepping stone for him? For some of the players, when you look at that performance last week against Kilmarnock, and you think, well, where is the motivation? You know, uh, the captain, Carl McGregor, who's been a bit out of sorts, and I wrote this down somewhere that he said last week, it's important everyone sticks together, blah, blah, blah. Only way to get better is if we stick together. Strange, strange thing to say that early in the season. Stick together mm. twice in the one comment. So does that... And I know we pour over all the minutiae, but using the word stick together 
twice. I remember back in the early days of Axel, culture was mentioned when Neil and Paul <coughs> jumped on that street away. Culture, oh, hold on. If the culture's not right, something's not right there. And uh, I think one of the earlier chats we had also was whether the manager was an elite manager. I'll leave that conversation for another time as well. But, you know, I just think motivation, why do you do things? You know, and if you're part of a Celtic team, and I tell you my big concern without that so negative again is Matt O'Reilly, because he's been, I think, the best player this season. But if you're Matt O'Reilly, what's your motivation for staying at Celtic Park? Because, I mean, I'm assuming that 99% of people tuning into this have never played football at any kind of top level. And you always think players are a bit different from, from people, but they're not. They're just ordinary guys who are living this extraordinary life. Mm. And we've all been in a working environment. And what, what makes your work a bit better is the people. And you get to have pals that are a bit closer to you than, than others. And they make the job. The job doesn't change. But having good people around you and people that you like, people you get on with, makes your job a bit better. And from what I can gather, that his best two pals have now left. So Jota mm. leaves for like silly money. And if you're Matt O'Reilly, you're thinking, well, you know, he's on what, what 10, 20 times what I'm on. Uh, Starfield goes to, you know, he's going to a better league. We don't have plastic pitches uh, and, a, and like a warm climate. I assume only more money. If you're Matt O'Reilly, you, you, you've won the treble last season. We can't win the treble again this season. We're significantly worse. The window's shutting next week. So, and I'm not, I mean, I hope he stays, obviously, but you're thinking, what's he thinking in terms of motivation? And that's why you want new guys to win all the time who are highly motivated, who have never won anything, you know, and get that instill that drive and determination and those were two qualities that they completely lacked last week completely mm -hmm. lacked drive, determination physicality and a will to win and Kilmarnock had all them in spades and that's why they won the game because I mean there was nothing in the game it was a completely nothing game last week and they get the break with the goal and I've still to see something that tells me why the goal stood <laughs> or why the guy wasn't sent off but and, and exactly. back to VAR again so I'm off a left field here. VAR again, because one of the things I said yonks ago is if you're going to have VAR, you need transparency, trans transparency, accountability, clarity. And I'm not saying that that would have changed the outcome of the game last week, but we need to understand why these things have happened because mm -hmm. it's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse than this. And we're all in the dark. And they showed those lines last week and you're thinking, what does that mean? No further forward. I know you're no further forward having somebody, it, having seen somebody it. explain that to me because I'm looking at this thinking he's offside. The guy's offside, but he's given onside. Fair enough, I don't have an issue with that. But can somebody explain to me why? Why? And then and then real time, the elbow from the commander guy, I didn't see, but in slow motion you think, that's a red card. Mm -hmm. You've got VAR. Why, why is VAR? So nobody has explained anyone. And again, I'm not making excuses. We didn't deserve anything last week at all. Good luck to Kilmarnock. Hope they do well. But somebody has to explain why these things happen because I'm off a real tangent here. But if you're going to have VAR, it has to be fit for purpose. And it is not fit for purpose at this time. And if I'm somebody involved with, 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 with Celtic Football Club, or other clubs as well. I should be making representation to the SFA because apparently they've now got two full-time guys who are VAR guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we need to hear from them. They need to come out after every single game and explain, here was, here was why VAR was used today. Here why here, here, Here's the reason it wasn't used and here's why we came to that decision. Now, we might not agree with it, but as long as there's some sort of explanation, some clarity, some accountability, that would be good. I mean, that's off a real tangent there. What was the question, Paul?
No, you're right though, uh, regarding the rationale behind it, Jim, because you, you look at the replay with the lines and it doesn't clarify the matter at all because they're just showing you a still image without any explanation, any context. And, you know, we often hear from Crawford Allen, who comes out when it suits some to speak about, yeah, we're, we're making a further investment in VAR, or he comes out after Kyogo's goes marginally onside uh, against Hearts to score a goal. And he, and he only does that. His time would be better spent coming out and giving us that clarity because without it, without the transparency, Jim, you start to make up your own mind. You start to, um, you know, that's what breeds paranoia. That's what breeds conspiracy. The fact that no one's actually speaking to us about it. And th the decisions were really, really poor. I want to pick up on a couple of things you were saying there in terms of uh, Matt O'Reilly immediately. Um, I think it's been a, an issue at Celtic for many, many years where players uh, obviously have close bonds, Lloyd, either with their teammates or on an international level. They then find out that the guys that they've, they probably think they're on the same level as, or they certainly have been previously, um, are making tons more money than them. So Jim's mentioned motivation. Let's look at Matt O'Reilly because there's a lot of speculation around his future. You know, I'm not surprised there are teams from Serie A interested in O'Reilly. I agree with Jim. I think he's been our best performer in the three games that we've played so far. Last season, the interest came in from Germany for O'Reilly. He's going to get interest. What motivates him? Well, when he came to Celtic, there plenty motivated him. He'd never won anything in his life at football. He'd actually been out of football for a spell um, after his days at Fulham. So I'm sure that there would have been a period of time where he was really taking stock of his future. And he's spoken about that as well. So his motivation over the last couple of seasons were was probably to establish, establish himself at Celtic, win trophies, be successful, maybe get international recognition, which he's got under 21 level. Now that he's got all that, though, Lloyd, Jim's right. The motivation then steps up to something different, doesn't it? He might be looking at this season, think, I want to impress. I want to work with Brendan. I want to be uh, getting more Champions League experience. But what happens after that? Does the motivation then go to the Starfelt where it's, I want to play in a better league? Does it go down the route of Jota where I want to make more money? Yeah, it kind of, but, it kind of does go down that route, I think. Because um, let's be honest, the only other motivation you would probably think is he wants to do well in Europe. But are we ever actually going to get past in the last 16 in the Champions League? I don't think we will. So he's got to play six games in Europe this year. Okay, he might be a standout performer in any of those games. And maybe then that might get him a bigger move to a bigger league. But to me, that might be his only motivation to stay at Celtic. Because once again, money is starting to talk again in football. You see it with Saudi Arabia transfers. You see it with Premier League. All these players going for big money, even Jota leaving Celtic. No one would have seen that coming. Big money transfer. So that says what does Matt, what does motivate football, and it's just you buy these players in, and you're always going to move them on for bigger profit. Anyway, that is the Celtic model at the moment: buy them cheap, bring them in, develop them, sell them on for a higher transfer fee, and then we do it again. And it's just yep. repeat, repeat, repeat. It is, and yeah. there's so many moving parts. Something that uh, Jim has spoken about previously, whereby that's one bit of it. You've also then got a group, of, a core group of players, Jim. And I'm going to ask you this question: What is the motivation of a Callum McGregor, James Forrest type player, Tony Ralston? I put in that category as well. He's not quite at that that kind of level of his career. Is there such a thing as a motivation to be a legend at a club? A motivation to be a McGregor, a Forrest, to play the 500 games, to score the 100 goals, to be the most decorated player at the club. Does that still exist? Do you think McGregor and, and Forrest are walking examples of that? 
I don't think it exists anymore. I think I think you have to take stock of where you are. I mean, if you're a Callum McGregor who's played X number of games and uh, it's, it's quite close to maybe setting some records, I think everything comes down to, to, to kind of money and kind of family. I mean, if, if, if Callum McGregor's family, and I don't know married to the kids, are quite settled where he is, he's earning phenomenal money compared to you and I, you know. But, you know, as you said earlier, looking across the fence, a Kieran Tierney's maybe earning whatever he earns, three, four, five times what, what Callum McGregor yeah. earns. It's a short career. You know, I think he is a legend just now. You know, so if he's to leave tomorrow, he's still a legend. I think different things motivate different people. And I think there's levels of motivation as well that, you know, we're fans. Why wouldn't you want to play for Celtic? You must want to play for Celtic. If you're the player and you've seen it all and you've done it all, and guys like Matt O'Reilly and Carl Stalford and Jota have actually done it all within within two seasons. Now, we can talk about Europe and the carrot of the kind of Champions League, but for at least the last 15 years, with one or two exceptions, it has been mediocre. Mm-hmm. Celtic have been an absolute shambles in Europe. You could then ask why, and that's a different discussion over there, because we've tried different managers and we've tried loads of different players, so maybe it goes a bit higher than that, but maybe that's a debate for another day. If I'm Matt O'Reilly and I'm playing that team and I'm seeing my mates moving on for bigger money, playing in better leagues, and my only and then I'm thinking, well, we could we could maybe win the treble again, but we've won the treble before. And everything in life is all about first. The first time you do something, it's 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 huge, it's massive. The second time you do it, no is good. Third time you do no that good. So if I'm playing for Celtic just now, let's say no names, just just I, I'm in this team that's won the treble last season and I doubled it the season before and my best mates have left and they're on funny money and they're playing in brilliant leagues and I'm playing a plastic pitch and a half-empty stadium where people can't be bothered coming to see it and I'm playing the Champions League where the chances are we're going to get horsed. I'm away, basically, because because there's, because there's better things for me to do. In terms of the James Forrests and the Callum McGregor's world, they've been there that long and they're pretty settled. I can't see them moving for a bigger payday. They've they learned enough you know, to to not have to work again in their lifetimes. So, 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 how much money is enough? They've got enough. Basically, I can see them seeing that. But as Lloyd says, that's the nature of the beast. Now, where we are in the football food chain, if we're in a different league, it's maybe a different conversation. But where we are just now, we bring in players, and we hope they're really good. And it's a catch twenty-two because if they're really, really good, they're going to move on. And if we buy players like a Jesse and Barca's, you know, we could keep them for life. Because they're no very good. So mm-hmm. if you buy players, and even if you get a manager who's really good, they're going to move on because there's there's much bigger bigger fish in the sea than Celtic Football Club. The thing is, Jim, you said it from day one, the minute Spurs were mentioned, you were like, it's off, he's gone. We're going to have to start planning for it. Don't think that he's going to stay here. For any of the motivational factors that I was posing there, you know, become a club legend, you know, trophies won, um, you know, European progress, all that kind of stuff that you hope every single person wearing the jersey uh, aspires to. But we're fans and you know, we're clouded by that. And you're right about players like Ajeti and Barkas. When they're not playing well, it's tough to get rid of them. You either tear up the contract, i.e. Barkas, and it costs you a lot of money, or you've got a guy sitting there on the sidelines quite happy to draw his wages. And inevitably, that costs you a lot of money as well. Going to pick up on a couple of points uh, that came in in the comments, and I'm going to bring the comments in. What do you uh, have to say about the situation at Celtic presently? Um, where 
and how will we be able to replace the centre half? I'm going to throw out a few names that have already been linked with the club over the pre-season. Would you be happy with it or not? Um, and obviously, we're going to look ahead to the St Johnston game as well. But on the point of Riley, before I get to some of the comments that have been coming in, you mentioned a couple of things, Jim. You mentioned the the language used by the captain talking about sticking together, and I guess that you know the loss of your most creative, influential player in Jota, the loss of your manager, and the loss of any of those two, the two centre halves would have been a blow. Any of them, because you're breaking up the partnership that was so successful. And I think most of us will agree Carter Vickers is, is a better defender, but any of the two of them is going to be something that we didn't really want to happen. These three things have happened. We've brought in, at the moment, six players, apparently another three or four. That was before the centre-half situation, so maybe even four or five. You've got 11 guys coming in. You've got loads of guys leaving the door. You know, the dynamic has completely changed, Lloyd. So you, you then, as Celtic fans, look at every single word that is coming out of the captain's mouth and you think, oh, does that mean that we've not really got that dynamic at the moment because of all the changes? Is it something you've picked up on? Is it something that concerns you, Lloyd? It's not just the captain's mouth. You've kind of watching what you're saying as well. Brendan Rodgers as well has coming out and said a few interesting things. Like he's not got enough quality in this transfer window so far that he was kind of hoping. So you, you don't overreact to these things. You just buy your time and wait and see what does happen. Because we've still got seven days left of the transfer window. Okay, I don't want to think we'll wait till next Friday and we'll be scuppering about getting five, six players in that are real top quality. You're kind of hoping by this time next Thursday they're all in place ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I I'm not panicking or anything yet. I still think we'll be fine enough domestically, even though we have been papped out the League Cup. But these things happen. They do. You know the thing you're talking there about, and there's a few comments coming in about uh, reverting to type, doing your business late. We were getting things over the line. We're going to speak about that. My, my bigger concern, actually, because I have no doubt we will get what we need uh, in the door. Uh, it might just happen a wee bit later than we wanted. My biggest concern is, uh, Jim's already mentioned Matt O'Reilly, we know that there's interest in him. But we, we ran a show a few weeks back talking about the contracts that we were handing out, obviously, to McGregor and Kyogo and Maeda, Jim. And I said, well, we need to add O'Reilly, Abada, Hitati to that list. And that's, that's for me, that's concerning. Um, if you've got interest in players like O'Reilly, and obviously we are in negotiations with Abada and Hitati, near the end of the transfer window, with everything else that's happening, that would feel disastrous if we lost one of their guys, having already lost Starfelt and Jota. I think the first thing I said today was out with the control. And a lot of that stuff you just said, Paul, is out with the control. If these guys want to move on, they're going to move on. And even if you offer them funny money that we can't afford, they're going to move on because it's, it's not about that. It's about challenge and it's about motivation, etc. I mean, uh, Alan Morrison said something uh, interesting. We always say things that are interesting, talking about the markets that we are shopping in, you know, mm-hmm. that we're going to have to players that are in demand. If the window shut shut last night, I think we'd all be pretty concerned. And we're kind of hanging on to this. Well, we've got a week to go. You know, if we're still shopping in those markets where players are in demand, we might be disappointed mm-hmm. next week because the tagline you've, you've got there is an emergency centre-back. I'm not looking for an elite Centre back. I'm looking for a kind of no nonsense centre back who can come in and clear these lines, not play, 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 try and play fancy football. And there must be loads of them about. So are we going for somebody like that, or are we going for this kind of high end person who we might not get? 
and be left in trouble. And you've got a man coming along tonight to the actual mate Charlie Mulgrew, who I'm not saying that he's the answer, but a Charlie Mulgrew type guy in his early 30s who knows the Scottish game can come in, not a lot of money in terms of wages, who just is a defender. You know, and you look over over the league, watch the Kilmarnock game last week, they've got guys, you know, are just are just are just defenders. Just come in and defend, you know. Yep. So we don't have to go for this elite sign of sign because we can only spend so much money and we've spent a lot of money in two young centre backs, you know. And we've got Carter Vickers there already, and Welsh looks good in Swaslow, he gets injured in his out for a while. So you can't really go and spend another five or six million pounds in another centre back. But there must be a lot of good, solid centre backs out there who can really do a job even for just for just six months. And that's what I'd like to see is go for just go over the hump because we've got enough good players in that squad offensively to score goals for fun in this league. Europe, I said, forget for now. But if we're playing the St. Johnsons and the Motherwells and the Livingstons until all the guys are back, all we want is a functional centre half. That's all we need. And obviously, whoever it's going to be is going to be thrown into Ibrox mm-hmm. next week. And again, and even if we lose, it doesn't matter to get the scheme of things because we'll be levelling points moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of that tagline, I just there must be loads of decent centre-backs out there, experience. We don't want to bring in another 22-year-old, in my opinion, sorry, another 22-year-old guy. We want, as I said last time as well, a Pat Stanton type of guy. We've got a bit of a crisis at the moment. Mm-hmm. You said it, emergency centre-backs. So we'll be bringing somebody with a bit of experience who maybe knows the Scottish game. That'll be my solution to this. So don't wait to the last minute. Don't look for the the sort of next Manchester City starlet or the next Chelsea starlet. You can't throw him in at Ibrox. That's my top Jim, the You've back. also given me my first question of the night for Charlie uh, as well. So thank you for that. Um, but no, there's a lot of comments come through me. Obviously, see them on the social media channels, on the YouTube channel, whereby it's uh, doom and gloom, negativity, etc., coming from ourselves. I don't know what anybody else in the world of Celtic uh, fan media is doing. But all I can say is that from Axon's perspective, I don't see any negativity. There's a situation. Yes, where... I, mean, I mean, that's just nonsense, Paul. I mean, I, yeah. kind of, I know the hell out of me. People say that's an old negative guy. All you're saying is, look, <laughs> here's the evidence. Here's some of the yep. facts that are happening. Are they good or are they bad? You know what? On balance, they're not too clever. You know, And it's not negative to say that we're, we're significantly weaker than last season. There's the evidence that tells you that we're weaker. It's not negative to say that our main rivals are stronger. There's the evidence. Look at who they've signed and the players that they've signed. Mm-hmm. There's the evidence that says, you know what? And I think I used the word ominous at the start. Ominous is, is and I think it's a 50-50 call this season. If people think that's negative, there's nothing much you can do about that. Because all you're saying is, look, here's some of the facts, and my interpretation of that is, is this. And if you've got a different interpretation, then that's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. No, you're right. But it's just the word negative. It's not negative to, to look at where we are and look at possible solutions. And one of the solutions, obviously, is in the centre-half position. I'm going to bring in some comments and then I'm going to give you my take and we'll see if Lloyd and Jim will agree or disagree uh, with how to shop for a centre-half. Uh, Michael the Boy, when Brendan mentioned bringing in experience, wonder if he was making hints at Johnny Evans in as cover on a short-term deal. Well, that is one option, and he is still available. I know that it seemed as though he was at Man United, but that, that is one option. That's a type of signing that we could make happen at this stage. John Sweeney, back to the old ways, running about at the last minute, looking for players, and still the priority positions of goalkeeper left-back and Jota replacement not done. Unforgivable by the board. 
Um, and I think we just need to wait until the window slams shut and uh, take stock of what the business has been. But as you say, Jim, we've brought in two centre-halves. We've lost See, uh, one centre-half. I, I also don't agree that with that last comment. See if all the players were fit. Mm-hmm. We'd be dead confident if all the players were fit. They're not fit, and that's out with their control. Yep. And there's not a lot that we can do about that. So I think we've been really unlucky, and that's why I'm not as down on what's happening just now, because how many players are out? Seven or eight potential first-team players are out, yeah. you guys coming in. That's not the board's fault, and I wouldn't blame the board for, for not going out and spending silly money next week. I think, yeah, it'd be good to have a backup or... Somebody to fight for the number one position. Uh, that would be good to have. Yeah, I think we should have something like that. But in terms of the rest of the squad, we've got loads of players for loads of positions. And it's just the injuries. And as I keep saying repeatedly, that's out with our control. Completely. And it, it, the injury list is so long. Brendan Rogers said to go into the press conference with a list, like a physical list that he could read out. Um, I make it eight if you're counting Mikey Johnson um, and obviously Alistair Johnson just back as well. So, you know, this time last week it was even a longer list. Uh, we have uh, Buster Blood Vessels, Manky Tongue. Um, that's an 80s throwback or maybe 70s eh? Buster Blood Vessel afternoon Friday team got to sign an experienced defender no messing about here I think Jim is of the same view and um, we've got yeah. uh, Northampton Tim yeah. we need experienced centre half and we've also got Mick coming in deep breath everyone it will be good to get new faces in but they have to be the right ones and if that means we need to persist with the status quo then so be it I think we, we made the point during the week, it's been written about since in relation to the jot of money coming in pretty early in the transfer window, Lloyd, and then, you know, you're, you're negotiating with clubs and a £5 million fee might turn into £7.5 million overnight because they think you're you're wadded, basically. Um, so there might still be that three or four key signings, the main signings that we were going to go for, and the negotiations are ongoing. Celtic have been for a while now, pretty secretive and pretty good at guarding the information. Often we'll sign somebody and have not really been in the mix, yet we're linked to all these other players and, you know, it was just speculation and rumour and gossip and all that. But the information that's been coming out from decent sources in the Scottish uh, press is that we are looking for three or four. That did come, obviously, before um, all the injuries were listed by Brendan Rodgers. Three or four players. And uh, that was backed up with a list of goalkeeper, left-back, left-wing, centre-forward. You're having to throw in a centre-half, of course, now, I think. That becomes a priority. But how do we do it? Now, I would love it if there was a Pat Stanton type in Scottish football that knew the game that could get you through this couple of months, because that's what we're talking about in the central defensive area. Get us through that couple of months period. The other day there, Lawrence suggested that there are plenty of players on the free transfer list, not under contract. They're in limbo at the moment and you could bring one of them in. My take on it is that Tell me uh, if there's any others, but Johnny Evans, Eric Dyer, Harry Souter, Scott McKenna, they've all been linked with Celtic in this pre-season uh, by one source or another, Lloyd. Is there anybody in that list that you think, you know what, bring them in on loan with a option to buy and, you know, come January time, once the, everything settles down, you might then look at your squad and say, is Kobayashi worth keeping? Is Scales worth keeping? You know, because at that time, we're going to be in a better position. Yeah, I think I think the loan market might be the kind of market to go down. I know, obviously, maybe in the last three weeks we've been linked with the Eric Dyer move, so maybe even trying to ask Houghton the question to get him on loan if his future's away from Spurs. In that aspect, even Lauren's suggestion going to the free transfer market because there is 
decent central defenders out there as well where I think they would just be happy to come in on the year year option. Not a high fee not a high wages and that and then you've got that position covered till he's Navrotsky or Carl Vickers get back in for the injury. So yeah. these positions can just be covered short term. That's all you need to do. It just it's the minute you get the injuries less cleared, then the squad's looking a lot better. No, you're right. And, and it is a temporary thing. That's what we're saying. And it's an emergency mm-hmm. centre back. Um, not that long ago, we were looking at the squad and thinking it was bloated and all this. And then almost overnight, or it seems overnight, we're, we're facing this injury crisis. Um, and, you know, some of the other names that have been linked have gone elsewhere. Tierney has uh, left for Real Sociedad. We didn't really expect him to be coming back to Celtic. And uh, Ryan Fraser's on his way to Southampton. He was linked. Um, with regards to going for that elite signing, Jim, I think that I, I don't regard Ryan Fraser as an elite signing. He's a very expensive signing. Um, but we have been uh, linked to a different winger who isn't Daniel Podens. It's Lewis Palmer, 20, 23 years of age, left winger. We're talking three and a half million quid. Bringing him in straight away, you look at it and you see the reaction. The reaction is there's no way that's a replacement for Jota. And I guess my, my question or my response to that would be why not? Because we we brought Jota in and he was fairly unknown. I know that he was well known in Portugal. He was a bit of a prodigy when he was younger. But how much did we know about Jota really, Jim? I mean, he progressed tremendously in the two years we had him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not that concerned. I think we'll bring in one or two offensive players to add mm-hmm. to what we have just now. We need a centre forward, I think, uh, to try and compete with Owen Kyogo. But uh, I'm not that first moving forward I think again to use the old Alec Ferguson quote strikers win your games defenders win your leagues and in fact the game at Ibrox next Sunday is, is absolutely massive you know if, if we were to win that game and you go six points clear that puts a marker down for the season so in fact the centre half that you want to bring in you want him to get straight into that game and make a difference mm-hmm. you don't want to buy a centre half he said, well he's no match fit we'll take him three weeks to get match fit. So I think that's such a huge game that if we get the right guy to come in who's, who's match fit, who can hit the ground running, who can make a big difference a week on Sunday, that has a, a massive implication on the actual season. So, I mean, the names you mentioned, they're elite players, they would be good signings, absolutely. I don't have an issue with them at all. But again, I think there's a tendency to go for, we need somebody at that kind of level, and that's going to cost a lot of money, when in fact, I think there's a lot of good, just solid, no-nonsense defenders that, under different circumstances, you wouldn't get near these guys because you're looking for someone better than them, but it's an emergency, and you want to get by the emergency. So so players that play for the mother whales or the Kilmarnocks who are used to going to the Ibrox and defending, and defending well. So I, mean, I don't know who's actually playing for these teams just now, but... I'm not going to automatically go, we need an Eric Dyer or a Johnny Evans because they'd be like phenomenal signings, you know? And then what do we do with them after a length of time? So I just need, and that's why I go back to something like, something like Charlie Mulgrew. And I've always liked Charlie Mulgrew. He's a, he's a fantastic player for any team that he's playing. An old head experience. And you saw when he played with Dundee United there, he was organising people. He was controlling people. Somebody like that would be would be absolutely ideal. It doesn't have to be that elite level where you're paying silly money, but somebody like that. And one would assume the club knows that these guys are about, that the clubs aren't solely focusing on the next big thing, the young centre half that we can develop, that we know we've got a database of people out there who could do a job. Because they're playing against these guys every week. 
and they're making it difficult for us to score goals. So these guys are out there. You know, I mean, even if you get somebody playing for another Scottish club that's got one year left in his contract, mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't pay much in wages to him. He wouldn't pay much in a transfer fee. And he could come in and do a job and be a backup for not a lot of money. I know people might then say, well, you're setting your sights a bit low. But it's an emergency. And we want a no-nonsense centre-half at this point in time. It doesn't have to be an elite player. And that's kind of my thinking on that. That's the type, of, the type of saying. I mean, yes, listen, you just know people are going to say, they're going to clip that, Jim, and say, Jim Moore thinks Charlie Mulgrew should be the guy Celtic sign. Because that's what happens now. We get clipped. The other day there, someone showed me a clip that Jerry was claiming we were going to win the treble, including the Champions League. But the way that it's clipped, they don't actually give you the context that he's actually joking. Um, but there you go. I hope there was a few giggles um, on the other fan base on that one. The thing is, he would say that. He was, he's wildly <laughs> optimistic, so he would say that. No matter the context, he was so I think Je I think Jerry was meaning a football manager sense rather than jokingly. Well, the, the, the strange thing is, in this world, the minute it's out there, you're, you're going to become a meme, you're going to become a clip. Stop. Fill, your, fill your boots. Now, th there's one thing I was talking about in the first, nearer the end of the term of Brendan's first time as manager. I bemoaned the fact that there was a, a real short-termism in, in relation to the loan market. We we utilised the, the loan market and it didn't result in us having loans to buy and all this kind of stuff, Lloyd. And I was I, I was not happy with that because it is short-termism. And, and just the other day I was talking about it and a few people were chatting about it in the comments. And the players that I listed were uh, Daniel Arzani, Charlie Musonda, Ollie Burke, most expensive Scottish footballer of all time, Daniel Tolyan, uh, Philip Benkovic and Timo Weir. That, that all happened within a period of time. That's quite a lot of money to shell out for half a dozen players if you were to look at the minutes played versus the wages and the, and the transfer fee because you obviously pay for a loan fee and all that. And I just didn't like it because Celtic, yeah, we, we continue to win trophies. That's maybe the argument, Lloyd, but we didn't get anything out of the player, really, in terms of you know a value, an asset. And I don't, I don't like the short termism, but under the circumstances, I'm maybe <laughs> contradicting myself a wee bit here because I'm saying no, we need a short term solution here. But I just think it's because Brendan is faced with, a, you know, a situation, a number of circumstances that we could not plan for. They're out with our control, and you know, I, I think all all fans would look at it and say, I can understand why we're bringing in the short term fix on this occasion. Do you think it is something we will do, or are we going to run with what we've got? Because I said yesterday, Johnson can play centre-half, Awata can play centre-half, we do have Lagerbielk and we do have scales. Will we run with that until everybody else is fit? I'm kind of going to go with what Brendan said in his press conference where he did say he would kind of need to look at his transfer strategy now and maybe bring in a centre-half. But if it, I'm looking at it thinking a free transfer centre-half, he's not going to cost any transfer fee. And there's other positions I would rather spend certain money on still rather than needing to go and buy another central defender. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're going to bring in, for example, that left winger, it looks as though it could be three and a half million for him. Um, and if, how much is a, a left back going to cost? How much is a goalkeeper going to cost? Another thing, going back to what you were saying earlier, uh, Jim, about the decisions. Um, and this this is something that, that has raged on probably for three or four days afterwards with regards to what happened at Kilmarnock having accepted the fact that we weren't that great, in fact, we were really poor, but there were decisions to be discussed. And the thing with uh, Axel, some, someone commented that, oh, you, you know, you have changed your mind in the last couple of days in relation to the decisions. But the reason for that 
is you're watching the game live, you're watching the game as it happens, and you're commenting on it, having not really seen that many uh, reviews of each of these situations. Because, of course, at halftime, when a lot of the replays are getting played, we're doing the halftime bulletin. At full-time, when replays are happening, we're not seeing them. So it's only natural that you would look at it from a different angle and say, actually, I never saw that. I didn't see the elbow in real time on Taylor. It was having reviewed it again and again. I'm looking at that thinking, wow, you know, in terms of VAR, that's what that's there for. You review that, you see the severity of it, you penalise them. When it came to the penalty, um, I suggested that the referee might have had, he's maybe been influenced by the fact that Haksabanovic had gone down a couple of minutes before on the edge of the box. Um, I wasn't suggesting for a minute that he was diving. When you watch it back, there is clear contact we did have a great call for a penalty. It wasn't given. Um, and you know what? I don't even think Brennan Rodgers spoke too much about the decisions afterwards. Jimmy was obviously disappointed with the pitch and all that, but he didn't labour on the decisions that we didn't get. And I think it's something that uh, we should have overcome because we were just simply not good enough. Um, I'm going to bring in some positivity from Joe Hamilton. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon, troops from a sweltering Austria. Keep cool, Axomers. We will get this right. Um, I like that positivity. Jungle Lion thinks the whole club needs a big boost. Sometimes transfers can do that. IH decorating, you're in. Uh, not addressing or not addressed the glaring holes in the squad all summer. And now we are scrambling about with days left for emergency cover. Made a mess of this window. Jim, what do you reckon of the scenario where when things don't go so well, everybody blames the Lowells? And that, that's been happening this week as well. Um Peter Lowell's been in the building for a while, but only now is he getting the blame for everything because we're not getting transfers over the line. What do you make of that? Just to pick up the last comment there, I think we have brought players, apart from the goalkeeper position, I have brought players in, but out with their control, injuries. Mm. Uh, I understand the manager not making comment because it may look like excuses. Uh, if you just said to football fans 10 years ago, we can bring in something called VAR. And that will do A, B, C, D, D. You think that sounds wonderful. Imagine having something that good to be able to... Somebody can stop the game, not then look at video replays and give the right decision. You'd be thinking, what a brilliant thing that. We must have that. And then you get it. And you realise it's down to who's using it. Basically, it's not the technology. It's not due to technology. It's how people are using it. And what I've said before, and I'll rub it on again... Is I don't like the way VAR works. And that's not to mean like who organised it, whatever. I just think it's too messy. And I like the tennis idea, you get three appeals. Take it out with referees. You just say, right, three times during the game, I'm going to claim for something. You need to stop the game and watch this thing. Mm-hmm. So the manager stop the games. You know, referee, I want you to look at that. So they get three each, something like that. And that's it. So so last week, having seen that, then the manager said, hold on, I want to, I want you to look at that one again that looks like a red card to me, then they'd have to look at it. But as what we've got just now is basically they can make the thing up as they go along. You know, there's no... St- they don't know, we don't know what they're looking at and when they're looking at. And even if we do look at with the offside goal, we don't know why they came to that decision. And that's not a criticism. Uh, that's not that's not to say we deserved anything the game last week. Well done, Kilmarnock. It's not an excuse. And I don't mean this exclusively for Celtic. It works for every other single team that's in there. Because everyone maybe part of one team, has been hard done to with VAR. And it needs looked at. So uh, that was that. So I can understand why the manager didn't make a big deal on that. 
bit, and I've covered that before. In terms of Peter Lowell, uh, nobody can argue that from a financial point of view, we are a superbly run club. And the model that Lloyd said before, get young players in, develop them, move them on, make some money, rinse and repeat, absolutely fine. Maybe we're not bringing as, as enough young players through, but that's a different thing entirely. So in terms of the financial model, in terms of the money, in terms of everything that happens off the pitch, you can't argue with that. I said earlier, the European record is, is absolutely mediocre. Why is that? It's not the managers, it's not the players. Maybe it's something else. Mm. And I don't blame, I don't, you know, obviously the, the new manager gets a lot of, uh, uh, people are divided, the new manager, about how he left. But you back to motivation again. And again, if I'm him at that time, and from what we understand of what was happening within the club, and we don't obviously know it because we don't know the ins and outs of what happens in the club. And I'm trying to sign some players. And I'm not pushing, I'm not, I'm not pushing, you know, for, 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 for big, big fees, reasonable fees. And I repeatedly don't get these players that I'm after. And I get a chance of a better job somewhere else that double, triple with the money. I'm off ski. So in terms of Peter Lowe, I think he played a part in that. He played a part in making that happen. So it's not just the manager. There's two things happening there. When I looked at the season that we were going for 10 in a row, the word on the street was that the manager was keen to get rid of some players who wanted away, but we stopped from doing that. Again, I don't know if that's what happened or not, but if that was what happened or not, he was influencing things that he shouldn't have influenced at all. So, uh, is the chairman, does the chairman have a lot of influence? He must have some influence. Again, I think that, that shows a lack of imagination. Again, if you're bringing in a new manager, why are we bringing in the same guy we had a few years ago? Rogers. And Lennon. Look at actual fact, getting back to the manager position there. If you look, Martin O'Neill, phenomenal manager, phenomenal signing. Gordon Strachan, a bit of a downgrade, but he was he was phenomenal. But since then, the manager appointments, Neil Lennon gets the job when he wasn't a manager. Mm-hmm. That's a bizarre appointment. Ronnie Dyer comes in when we understand that Roy Keane didn't want the job, so we go for some unknown person. Rogers the first time around, really good signing, can't argue with that. Then bring Lennon back again. That's a lack of imagination. And then Rogers back again. That's a lack of imagination. We tried Ange, which was a real kind of like punt, and it turned out brilliantly. So you then look at who have appointed as managers over that time mm-hmm. and the European record. So, so, so were those managers good enough to give us a decent run in Europe? If they weren't, who appointed the managers? So obviously there's an influence there. We're getting a new a new chairman, and there must be a number of people out there, Scottish captains of industry, worked in big business, Celtic fans, but then we bring somebody back who's been at the club before. To me, that shows a complete and utter lack of imagination. I'm not yeah. saying anything good or bad against Peter Law. I just think we're sticking to that again, and we're sticking to that again. And for me, and I know I said it at the very start about not being fussed about cups. And somebody picked me up on Twitter saying, oh, you're the guy that's no fussed about cups. Because there's only one there's only one game in town, and that's the league. And the reason there's only one game in town is because of the Champions League money there. It's a complete game changer. So the mm-hmm. cups would be nice. Of course they would be nice. But Europe, for, for me, obviously we're in this league and any trophy win is great. But the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, for, for me, 
doesn't matter. And in the context of looking at who have performed in Europe, we've been rubbish. And as a Celtic fan, and I've said before on this podcast, what's been the most exciting season in the past 50 seasons? Seville. Where we won nothing. But it was exciting. And as a football fan, you ask yourself more and more, the older you get, why do you go to football? Is it about excitement? Is it about enjoyment? Or is it about winning the game? And in a play, this is back to me again, Ben like brought back, there's a scene in the play where the main character uh, is at the game, the Dunfermline game, where we lose 2-1, and there's somebody with him, and it's his first ever game, and he's saying, well, this is dead exciting, and the guy says, we don't want excitement, we want three fucking points. And that's how you look at games these days, I think. So would you rather be entertained and lose the game or play terribly and get the three points? And it's always the latter. It's mm. always the latter. So you get to Europe, and this is another rant, you get to Europe, you want to compete, you want to go head-to-head, not with the Real Madrids, but with the Benficas and the Stuttgarts and the Eintracht Frankfurts and the PSV. And we've been lamentable at that over 15 years. Why is that? Don't know. <laughs> well, over Jim, this week. I was already hiding behind the couch with regards to the uh, the draw for the Champions League, and now I feel a wee bit more worried than before. But you're right. You know, if you're looking at what we have done in terms of progression, often it's not just a lack of ideas and creativity and imagination bringing people back. You ask yourself if we were unable to progress with that model in place before, what makes you think we can progress with the same bodies in the building? And I, I totally get that. Now, Stephen Winning, I'm bringing up your comment on Facebook, short-termism, you're advocating a solid no-nonsense defender that will come in for two months. Under certain circumstances, like just now where you're in a bit of an injury crisis, I think you've just got to take your medicine and it, you know that it's short-termism. I think the um, the way around it is your loan-to-buy option rather than somebody who would only be in for a few months. And I think some of the names I've mentioned before, you can understand why some of them have been linked to the club. We've been linked to the likes of Scott McKenna for a long time since he's been at Aberdeen. Uh, Harry Souter, obviously, you know, Brennan Rogers knows him from the time at uh, Leicester, etc. So, yeah, it's short-termism, but I think we're backed into a corner on this occasion. Um, Andrew, I'm going to ask the guys who we should line up on uh, Saturday against St. Johnson, who we should line up with, rather. Andrew Galea, I hope we don't rush AJ back. Look what's happened to Cameron Carter-Vickers. Well, Alistair Johnson's in my start lineup, Andrew, but I get what you mean. We've got John McVeigh, Scales and Lagerbielk will be okay. So you're looking at the centre-half position there. Lloyd, um, let's start off with the problematic position then. We've got a game against St. Johnson tomorrow. They have not been any great shakes so far this season. Brendan Rodgers has a phenomenal record in management against St. Johnston. I don't have the same feeling I had leading into the Kilmarnock game because there was a bit of trepidation, I've got to say, if you go back to uh, a week ago, going into that game, it seemed as though there was a lot of conspiring factors uh, leading into it. I'm not getting that sense of that just now. I'm going back to son. Jim said, the players we've got are good enough to win this game, even with injuries. Um, we'll start off with the centre-halves because it's a big talking point. Who do you start with and why? I think it will be skills in Lagerbilk, just to, for the basis that they are the only two fit centre-halves at the club at the minute. <coughs> um, they should be good enough also to get by St. Johnson. Not, no disrespect to St. Johnson, but I think most people have tipped them to be favourites to go down this year, so I think skills in Lagerbilk will be fine there for that game. 
I think Scales played pretty well in the preseason. I've got to say, and Lagerbiel, mm-hmm. the one thing that's been overlooked a wee bit because all the other <coughs> discussion points was his debut. I mean, he, he played pretty well uh, in his debut, despite the fact that we as a team didn't play well and the result was very, very poor. What about the rest of your back five then? Uh, goalkeeper, right back, left back, Lloyd? Uh, my goalkeeper will be Hart, right back and left back will still be Taylor and Wilson. I wouldn't rush AJ back anytime soon. If he's going to get any minutes, I'll maybe give him 20 minutes near the end towards the game to get him some match sharpness in, if anything. Now, yesterday, uh, or the day before, it was yesterday actually, talking to James McKenzie, Jim. James would be bringing back Alexandro Burnaby. I'm at the stage now where I wouldn't be making any changes unless forced due to the circumstances. And I'm going for uh, Joe Hart with Greg Taylor at right back, Anthony Ralston at right back, and my two centre-halves, as I've said, uh, would be Lagerbjelk and Alistair Johnson. I would play him at centre half. Uh, what about yourself, Jim? Back five tomorrow. Unless he's going to try a back three at Ibrox and maybe he's going to change the system. Yeah, I think the the, the, the back five you both suggested. We've got two fit centre half, so we'll play the two fit centre half. I, I thought young guy played really well last week on a difficult pitch, uh, and Skills done well last year at Aberdeen. So they're 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 okay, uh, and they should do okay. But I think he's he's maybe got one eye on next week in terms of who he's going to line up. Uh, mm-hmm. Like somebody said in the comments, I wouldn't rush Alistair Johnson back and, and, and like Lloyd, if he could get, you know, maybe maybe 20 minutes at the end would be, would be ideal. But yeah, I think, I think the back five picks itself, unless he's going to do something different, unless he's going to go maybe for a back three or something, maybe have wing backs, maybe playing Greg Taylor as a wing back and I don't know, maybe, play, play, I, I don't know. But yeah, if, if we're playing the usual four at the back, then that, that's the four that plays, yeah. That's the four you go for. Um, now, moving into the midfield then, Lloyd, again, you know, at the beginning of the season, Rio Atati's been benched, he's now injured. His place was taken by David Tumble, who impressed on match day one, not so much against Aberdeen. He's replaced against Kilmarnock by Odin Thiago Holm. And again, a debut that's kind of gone under the radar, a start, a, a competitive start, first competitive start, gone under the radar. Um, we move into this game. Do you make another another change or do you bring back Turnbull? How, how do you do it? Uh, because I've already thrown it out there. I'm playing Carla McGregor, Matt O'Reilly and Chimoke Awata in the, in the midfield. That's how I would play it. My reasoning behind it is um, I think that there's a perception that Awata's been a flop. But uh, my argument is I think when played in midfield, he's played really well. You know, it's a centre-and-half mm-hmm. position where he's looked a bit vulnerable and at right back in the pre-season. But I've seen some some games yes, uh, last season that were positive, some performances. So I would be playing uh, him in there. I think he's a very strong, combative midfield player. Might free up McGregor a wee bit more. And uh, yeah, that's my middle three. What about yourself, Lloyd? Yeah, I'm going with the same middle three for that one. Just on the basis, maybe having one eye on Ibrox. And I think a lot of might come to that because obviously there was a game last season. He came on the second half and he kind of controlled the game a little bit against Rangers. I think that was at Celtic Park that game, from what I can remember. So I think... You kind of need that in McGregor. He needs to find his form a wee bit as well before we go to Ibrox. So that's why I would probably play those, those two. Yeah, Jim, you, you mentioned before about McGregor's form. It's not been great, but uh, I think he's got enough credit in the bank, isn't he? Yeah, that we know he's going to play through it. He's going to overcome it and become the Carlin McGregor of old. Um, what's your midfield three, Jim? Uh, no question about Callum McGregor. Yeah, it's a wee bit of a different form. Obviously, a change of manager, maybe change of systems, change of lots of different things. And I think under Ange, 
Ange tend to leave the dressing room to Callum McGregor before the matches, and now it's, that's changed a wee bit, so maybe he's shown a wee bit different. But I agree with both of you. I think with one eye on Ibrox, I wouldn't want to put Iwata uh, straight into Ibrox because I haven't played a game before. So I think Iwata, yeah, definitely alongside Calmack and, and Matt O'Reilly, yeah. And then, of course, we've got the uh, the top three, Kyogo, for me, Abada and Maeda. I'm not saying it, it picks itself because I don't think Maeda and Abada were great against Kilmarnock. But again, I've seen enough from both players, even just this season, Lloyd, to suggest that uh, you know come back to good form. And I want Abada to stay. I think uh, we could get a big season out of him. And I've said this before, I think Brendan's the right manager for him as well. So that's my top three. Would you make any changes? I know that Yang's impressed when he's came in. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with Yang at the minute, so I would maybe change him for Maeda, if anything, just to maybe give Maeda a bit of a rest. You know, obviously, he had a little bit of a, a poor game last Sunday, so you need to try and bed Yang into the team if he is going to make any impact at all. So I would like to see him come in. You know, obviously, Mother two would still be Kiel going about because one of the best finishers at the club. Yeah, definitely. It begs the question, though, Jim, why is Rocco Vata not in the discussion? Um, he's a player that you know in the past if we had injuries or lack of form you would bring in a youngster that had been firing on all cylinders which mm-hmm. he has been for the B team so I, I know I times have changed Jim but he's not even in the discussion I half agree with Lloyd I would play Yang instead of Abada uh, again with one eye, one eye in Ibrox Abada hasn't turned up at Ibrox Maeda has Maeda's a definite for, for Ibrox and I think Yang of the new signings has looked really really good he's really direct Dead confident guy. He made a significant contribution at Aberdeen. Looks the part. Give him a game at Celtic Park. Give him a full 90 minutes there and then play my Ibrox next week. That's what I do with it. Because we need Maeda, Maeda next week. Uh, Abada, yeah. I mean, Abada and Maeda make such a, such a great contribution. But it occurred to me during the week when I was, when I was chatting to somebody about who makes a good manager. So a good manager usually that the team is more than the sum of the parts basically, because you get players in your team, you think, they're not great players. And if you back to Jock's team, Lisbon Lions team, obviously, the just thinking that. Team, so yep. you know, there's players in that team, without <laughs> without mentioning who those players are, weren't they, weren't they exceptional players? They were, they were kind of okay. And I think Abada and Maida work well in Angie's team. They work really, really well. And if you took them out of Angie's team, put them somewhere else, I don't think they'd be as effective. So I, I'm not too sure about Abada and Maida. Uh, as individuals, but within a team, last couple of years they've been absolutely outstanding. We need somebody who can take players on, and and they've got really good qualities, but they can't take players on. They can't create space. We need somebody who can do that. And Yang, for me, he's he, he's my new Jota. Hopefully, he's the guy I'd like to be. We need a new Jota, and at the moment he's our best bet. So I'd like to see him play tomorrow. Uh, what was the question you asked? It was a different. Question. Oh, Rocco Vata. I mean. The B team, again, I think is a waste of time. Uh, in terms of the opposition that you're playing against, uh, we need to test these guys much more. How you do that, I've got no idea how you would do that. So I don't look upon playing well for the B team as any great measure. Uh, you like young players to come through, and there's a bit of you that maybe thinks they're better than they are. And until they've played, uh, I've had some minutes in their legs. You can't really tell. So the manager knows best. He's looking at these players all the time. And if, if Yang's a better bet than, than Rocco Vata, then you go with the manager's decision because he sees him every single day. Yeah, so in terms of the team tomorrow, Yang, uh, Kyogo and Maida. 
Yes, as always, an hour before kickoff, we will see roughly uh, what the Saturn 11 will be. Will there be any uh, wild cards? Who knows? What do you think? Let us know in the comments field. And I've always considered uh, being the traditionalist that I am, that it was part of the Celtic way to rear your own and bring kids through. But it's just simply not happening as often uh, or with as regularity as it once did. Even with the changes to uh, the modern game, I just feel that we are signing other people's prospects at the age of 20, 21, because they've had their game time elsewhere. Odin Holm, could we not have produced a midfielder who by the age of 20 have had, you know, played 100 senior games? I'm pretty sure we could have done, but we seem to be stuck in a rut. And like Jim says, I'm not convinced with uh, what's happening with the B team and where they're playing. Uh, but the club um, are, are kind of forced into it. It's beyond the club's control even, because no one has an appetite, it would seem, for the progression of teams through that pyramid system. Now, there's a lot happening, as Jim mentioned earlier on. We are going to be in a venue tonight with Charlie Mulgrew. Now, Charlie Mulgrew um, will be joined by a replacement. Uh, there was, due to unforeseen circumstances, um, a quite late call-off. Uh, but Charlie Mulgrew will be replaced. Uh, no, he won't. He'll be there with his beautiful hair. He'll be there with Mark Wilson. So come along um, if you wish, because you know because of the, the the late change, there might be one or two tickets available. But it was sold out weeks ago. Um, we'll see if we can fit you in. It's at Don Max, which is on Socky Hall Street, and there's loads of Axom uh, contributors going to be there. Uh, hopefully, you can enjoy yourself, Lloyd, with a few sherbets here and there. Um, and also. This morning, I got a visit from Jamie Tierney's dad. We are obviously pushing the initiative to sell the jerseys. Another couple of jerseys actually arrived in the post whilst uh, Jamie Sr. was in the studio this morning. It's brilliant to see how everybody's pulling together. But we do have a framed jersey that we're going to take along tonight. We're going to auction it off for wee Jamie Tierney, um, who suffers from Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We've already got a 200 quid bid on it. It's signed by eight Lisbon Lions. So it's a brilliant item. Um, and that is where we ask you to put your hands in your pockets to raise money for charity. It's tough for everybody. Uh, we're all struggling in terms of the financial situation here. But uh, Celtic fans always come good when it comes to good causes. So thanks, everybody, for that as well. We will be back half an hour, as always, half an hour before kickoff tomorrow. Uh, we'll be facing St. Johnson, hopefully. Um, we will have a better day this weekend than we did last. Anybody that's coming along, come and say hello tonight at Don Max. I'm really looking forward to the new venue. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comments. And thank you once again to Lloyd and Jim for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.